The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. EasyJet has secured slots to take off and land at Dublin Airport, heading into competition with Ryanair and Aer Lingus. Now, EasyJet had previous routes to Gatwick from Shannon, Knock and Cork in 2004, but only spent around 18 months in the Irish market. Joining me now, Owen Curry, editor of Air and Travel magazine. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, I was surprised at this news, uh, largely because, uh, as you know, Kenny Jacob, who runs the DAA, is a former uh, Ryanair man, and he's uh, let the enemy in the door. Absolutely. A couple of very interesting things going on here. Very interesting timing as well, because today the IATA Worldwide Slots Conference opens at the Dublin Conference Centre. About a thousand people from the slot-controlled airports and airlines from around the world all together talking about slots. And then we get this little bit of news that EasyJet, for the first time in many, many years, have applied for slots in Dublin Airport. Doesn't always mean they'll be used. Ryanair famously apply for slots all over Europe. It keeps people like me speculating what routes they're going to open and maybe 20, 30% of them eventually open. So there's no guarantee they'll use them. But the fact they've applied for them uh, it shows a couple of things. It shows that they're ready to go back to battle with Ryanair. Nobody goes to war with Ryanair in Dublin since the Go experience way back in 2004 and EasyJet's experience with uh, Cork and Shannon and Knock back, with, uh, back in 2005. So that's a big development. The other thing that is rumbling away in the background, and it's something Kenny Jacob said to me a little while ago, he'd love to see a third force at Dublin Airport. It's a very green and blue airport, Aer Lingus in Terminal 2, Ryanair in Terminal 1. And since the pandemic, the balance has really got more towards Ryanair. Used to be about 42% quite a few years ago. It's now something like 58%. That means a lot of usage of Terminal 1, a lot of usage of those 100 gates. Listeners would be very familiar, anyone who went through last summer, how chaotic it was there. But he'd like to see someone, a third major airline come in to keep you know, keep them from exploiting the mm. public in whatever way they can through fares or baggage or uh, the way okay. they operate their services. Now, uh, two questions arise. One, does EasyJet have to pay for the slots? Because I remember years ago, there was speculation when Aer Lingus was in trouble that they might flog their Heathrow uh, slots for big, big money, uh, say, to American airlines who wanted to land at Heathrow early in the morning. Uh, they didn't in the end. Uh, very interesting because Heathrow is a very special case. Uh, Dublin, most airports are not slot controlled. Dublin is now because we have about 350 flights a day at peak, uh, departing 350 landing. Cork and Shannon wouldn't be st- st- slot controlled. Anyone can arrive and go. Uh, the difference with Heathrow is the slots were very scarce. And particularly, not all the slots, an afternoon slot was worth less than a morning one. But some of those early morning ones, you've got to remember that uh, Aer Lingus have been in Heathrow since the 1940s. So they are one of the biggest customers in Heathrow after the British Airlines. So they had quite valuable slots, uh, worth 100 million for a pair of slots. And people like Continental to get an example, that airline that was eventually merged into United, they were seeking uh, a move from Gatwick to Heathrow. So buying the only way in for them, because the slots were all full, would be to buy a slot from somebody else. We've seen uh, airlines trading slots. It was pretty mad in the noughties and early teens. It's got less so now as, uh, you know, the aviation industry's carved up in different ways and some of the people who had quite a few slots in uh, Heathrow 
like Flybee, uh, went out of business. So slots are not as scarce as they were. They're not mm. valuable in Dublin Airport. To answer your question, uh, they, you don't pay for a slot in Dublin Airport, but you do have to apply for it because it's the only way of managing a busy airport. Mm. And the income then derives from uh, the, the flights that you operate and the per-passenger uh, cost of which we uh, spoke with Kenny Jacobs last week and indeed with Eddie Wilson as well. Uh, the yes, second indeed. question is whether or not if EasyJet came in and relatively few slots uh, applied for... Would they be encouraged or forced, perhaps, to operate out of Terminal 2, which is less busy, and uh, many would say a much more comfortable terminal to get through? Yeah, it's interesting. The the pressure has always been on the other side because Aer Lingus were increasing their transatlantic services. Uh, They take a lot more time on the ground. The U.S. uh, border control is used by them. So all of that is happening uh, put a little bit of pressure on the time in Terminal 2, particularly 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock, you something like 15 transatlantic departures. So we saw pressure in the other direction. People like Etihad used to operate in Terminal 2 being moved back to Terminal 1. Air Canada sort of would be a natural fit in Terminal 2. There in Terminal 1, Qatar would be a long-haul airline as well. You'd expect them in Terminal 2. So Rather than EasyJet moving into Terminal 2, what would probably happen is that some of those long-haul airlines would move back to uh, Terminal uh, 2. Now, uh, KLM, uh, Jennifer Ruscommon says, I've heard a lot of promotional advertising about them lately. Uh, What about their activity out of Dublin? KLM are very successful. They do um, about five rotations a day to Amsterdam, which is a big connecting airport. It has had its problems in the last two years. I always regarded it as one of the best in Europe. Um, It had a big baggage problem, was one of the biggest baggage offenders this side of the Atlantic, alongside Heathrow. Toronto was the big offender the other side. and Willie Walsh recently at the IATA conference in Istanbul where I was last week he referred to it as now the worst airline airport in the world which is probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek um, it's a very good connecting airport I connected through it uh, as I was coming back from somewhere two weeks ago it still works very well and KLM's operations are are, uh, they're one of the traditional flag-carrying airlines. They're uh, part of a team with Air France and very noticeably uh, people who were routed through Charles de Gaulle when things started getting hot and heavy with French strikes. Uh, they had the option of going through Amsterdam as well. It's also a big, big airport uh, mm. for Cork. Uh, Cork yeah. love it. And uh, very the, good those, those I know who've travelled to KLM have praised the service on board. It's almost like the old days. Absolutely. And there's a thing, you know, uh, the Middle Eastern Air, airlines, they've, you know, a reputation, they win all the awards. All their uh, stewardesses are very young. They're, you know, it's very military almost. You get your your drink 40 minutes after takeoff, you get your meal an hour and tw- um, 25 after takeoff. Uh, KLM and Lufthansa, I'd put them in the same category. They cabin crew are very experienced. They're the ones who will spot the granny and royal row 24 who's terrified and be down to reassure them and give them the cup of tea or whatever they're very very good uh because of that experience that you can't that you only acquire from hours in the air now uh, the other uh, question is about insurance uh, and people who are caught up in strikes and delays and uh, not every policy covers everything 
Absolutely. And the, and the traditional uh, commoner garden, uh, you know, it, it, insurance for, uh, 12 month schemes came down, 12 month insurance policies came down massively in price. Uh, long ago, you would pay uh, more for a two week travel insurance than you would for a, an annual policy now. And most of them can be got for about 80 euro. Uh, you know, watch for things like winter sports ski, watch for the America. Now, because it, uh, expen medical expenses in the USA are so high, they, they generally are, uh, will, ex they will uh, sell it as an add-on option. But one of the things that was never in it was flight cancellation or airline failure or flight disruption because airlines didn't fail in the old days. There was an old government to back them up. And now they cost maybe six or seven euro extra on an annual policy. I noticed one or two of the big providers have put it in a standard in the annual policy, but uh, it's certainly there. worth looking for in the summer when we're going to run into French air traffic control strikes and other strikes. Uh, the one big issue that has been solved, by the way, is German uh, security uh, staff were striking regularly through the spring. That issue has been solved. They've got a very, very good pay increase. So, but uh, you know, that would probably have knock-on effects in other countries. We are looking at a summer of disruption, and of course, we had weather disruption uh, yesterday. With uh, unusual to have them up this side. Gaswick was closed for a little while. A uh, little bit in Spain as well. So. Uh, Bear in mind that weather disruption, you're not entitled to compensation, but you are, the airline still has to get you to where you're supposed to go. Yeah, um, but your insurance, if you take out the right insurance policy, you might be compensated. So examine your policy. That's uh, the main thing. And, and the, extra, the extra is probably worth it if you've got something like a wedding, a concert, a match. Um, there are things that the airline won't uh, cover for. Airlines are not insurers of last okay. resort. I know we had questions in the past saying, I missed the concert. Can I get the money for the ticket back from the airline? No, but that's what travel insurance is for. Mm -hmm. uh, question, are there any plans for flights from Dublin to Brazil? Many Brazilians working here. Any plans for direct flights? Funny you should say that because I got a lot of reaction on social media to something I said about that. Definitely the talks are in progress for two reasons. Um, it's a wonderful uh, to see the number of Brazilians in Dublin. It's actually wonderful to walk down the streets and hear, uh, you know, that almost Italian-esque uh, Portuguese accent almost everywhere. It's great to see so many Portuguese and they are, are so many Brazilians and they're flying through Portugal. TAP Portugal told me recently their most profitable route on the entire schedule is Dublin, Lisbon and Lisbon to the various Brazilian destinations, mainly Rio, that they do. So there are talks in progress. Uh, the stock conference today will be one of the places, one of the forums where this will be teased off. A lot of airlines looking at uh, how um, getting, you know, what a direct, uh, the logistics of a direct Dublin to Rio de Janeiro uh, would be, or Sao Paulo, and um, it's the A321LR that Aer Lingus are going to take delivery of next year is, is uh, has got the ability to do that length of a run and loads of factors in there, but everybody's looking at uh, Dublin Rio. I would be very surprised if we don't see it coming in in 2024. Another returned route, which I'm delighted to see, July the 27th, Hainan, uh, who used to operate Dublin to Beijing direct. Nobody expected to see them back in 2023, but China, as listeners will know, opened very suddenly in January, and now that route is running again. 
and not a lot of publicity on this side for it, but it's restarting July 27, and it, we, it's back to 42 airlines operating in and out of Dublin Airport. I know we all think Ryanair and Aer Lingus, but we have 40 other airlines who okay. are operating out of the airport. Owen, thank you very much for joining us. Owen Corrie, editor of Air and Travel magazine. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.